Welcome everybody, this is Wolf Sheep. I am Luis Cavedo. And I am Bill Johnson, because I don't want anybody to know my real name because of the topic today. Okay. <laughs> oh, we're going for anonymity then, huh? Uh, yeah, just oh, kidding. This is Matthew Walker. Okay. Haha. No, it's a little too late for me to do the uh, anonymity <laughs> thing anyway. <laughs> Uh, yeah, oh, yeah, well, you know, there it is. The topic inception is lost. Yeah, it, it, talk about just going right into it. Sorry. No, no, it's fine. Uh, yeah, topic inception for this one was, well, musings, I guess, on uh, the nature of attraction when it becomes lust. Uh, you know, we, 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 had, we have this thing we go through together, Gina and I, when we're watching uh, TV, especially TV, it happens with movies too. I think I might have told you about this, but we watch Hulu, which is you know the streaming service, mm-hmm. and the shows we watch there would be shows you would watch on TV otherwise. But you just watch them with less commercials and right. on your time, and they still put ads on there, so about three ads for every commercial break, and every once in a while, like the Victoria's Secret commercial ad will come on or whatever. And this happened a long time ago. One time we were just sitting there. It came on. <laughs> and just out of nowhere, I just got smacked right in the face. And I said, what the heck just happened? What did I do? And she said, stop looking. And it's like, oh, God. And it was, okay. So, you know, it just it, it's funny that it happens. And it's kind of an interesting practice because uh, what is a negative reinforcement? So as soon as something like that comes on, I... <laughs> And I just look to the side. I make sure not to not yeah. to look at the screen. But you know, it. We talked about it and just how different people respond. Gina and I, meaning, and yeah. We've talked about it over the years too. But uh, I thought it was important to talk about because uh, I think it's something that everybody, in in one essence or another, goes through. If you're a human being, you lust or desire to one degree or another. Right. For sure. So Agreed. yeah, we're gonna we're gonna try to work our way into it. All right. So when did you first find yourself physically attracted to someone, or who, when, where, why was your first crush? Uh, my first uh my first physical attraction was to a bouncer or doorman at a country club in Branson, Missouri, like a country music show, mm-hmm. and. Like, it wasn't, like, a sexual attraction, so that whole thing of, you know, I knew I was gay when I was six, you know, that wasn't the case. It just was uh, an attraction Mm -hmm. to, from a tiny little kid to a guy that was big and built and confident and Mm -hmm. good-looking, had nothing to do with with his penis. It had more to do with just what he looked like. And so I remember saying to my dad, if I was a guy, or if I was a girl, I would date him. Mm-hmm. And so my dad didn't really have a problem with what I had said because he knew I was getting the mechanics of it, and I was basically saying I thought he was attractive. Right. My brother, on the other hand, flipped flipped his lid and freaked out on me, you know. And we were only like six or six or seven years apart. Okay. So my brother's Wait, twelve. So you were. I was six. Okay. So you were. Yeah, six. I was okay. six years old. I saw this bouncer guy. I said that statement just. You know, because, like, I was a little kid. I didn't know it was the wrong statement mm-hmm. to say whatever. Right. But um, it w- I don't go back to that day and say, well, then I knew I was gay. I just had an attraction to other because I didn't look like that. I didn't feel like that. Mm-hmm. So that was my first, like, physical attraction to somebody. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, I well, I, I knew this was going to be between our compare or, or yeah. separate experiences were going to be slightly different just because of maybe the struggle that you've gone through or maybe the oh, yeah, different yeah. ways that I've struggled. Yeah, for sure. But, yeah, my early attractions were all towards men, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, no, and I, I, I realized, like we were just talking even before we started, about how same-sex, you know, be that male, female, will yeah. view others, and whether they will find regardless of you know sexual preference or or leaning whatever mm-hmm. you can find the attraction there yeah and and i always kind of like had a hard time with that because you you ask yourself as a kid especially because you know because of the way kids are especially you can't say anything like that especially in, in formative years or in puerto rico you know because they, they'll look at you like oh you know you can't you're you're a guy you can't say you you know that dude is good looking or right whatever. well and and the converse of that is that nowadays if you said something like that you're immediately labeled gay so it's either way right. it's like either the you know the white trash bigots or the gay community mm-hmm. they can't just let you have a statement like that somebody's got to label you you know well but i just i i, I just wanted to bring that up because i always yeah. had a hard time figuring out well i don't know maybe just the standard isn't the same but like somebody will say oh you know that's a good looking guy do you think so a female friend or yeah. family or whatever and it's like uh okay yes i guess so you know i just i <laughs> couldn't figure it out you know and, yeah but then there's you know obvious cases whether that's because it's universal because everybody says the same thing like right. okay well george clooney okay yeah everybody likes george david clooney, beckham or david beckham yeah. or you know the fantastic physical specimens yeah. that nobody can live up to you know these are the real grecian gods in the sense. yeah but i just i've gotten past that I guess now where it's just like um, like when I, when Gina we were talking about Gina and watching Netflix and yep. she picked the show you know uh, Peaky Blinders we started watching it and it's not a show that she would ever pick <laughs> and she admitted to me well I really just picked it because uh, Killian Murphy's in it and, and I think he's cute and and she kind of felt. Did you really, slap her? No, no, I didn't. And she felt. She Just felt, kidding. She felt superbly like ashamed about it. And I said, yeah. "No, that's fine. It's okay." And I and I and I looked at him. And I said, "Okay, yeah, I guess this is a pretty good looking guy. I can admit that. That's fine. It yeah. doesn't affect my sexuality or anything." Yeah, not at all. But you kind of grow into that. Now, well, for me, for my generation, we kind of had to get to that point where it's like, okay, well, we can say that. Right. But in, in you Agreed. know. Nowadays, it's, I guess, more, I don't know, even acceptable, where you don't have to, like, say it and be labeled immediately, you know? Right. I mean, uh, which is kind of counter to what you said, but I don't know. I guess it depends on the circles you're running into. Well, yeah, I mean, it just, I I know back then, like, because I've been in both worlds. I know back then that you couldn't say anything because you'd be labeled, um, you know, odd. And now, if you say anything like that, you're labeled you're still labeled. And so, I mean, I, I just, I don't know. I, I think it's age and I think it's a little bit of attitude and I think it's what I've been through, but I don't necessarily get my hackles up if, you know, somebody has a problem with that, mm-hmm. that I just won't keep them around that long. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't, I don't need people around me that are idiots, <laughs> you know, unless, unless they're willing to like understand both sides of it, you know? Right. Um, but it's, yeah, I, I mean, you have, 
I, I look at people this way. There's three layers of people. You know, mm -hmm. there's the ones you keep close. There's the ones you keep on the outer fence, and then there's the ones you you avoid when you're at the grocery store. And <laughs> right. you know, and so it, it's like I grew up having to explain mm -hmm. my attractions and having to like hide them and all that stuff. And so nowadays, I'm just like, you know what? If I can be honest about the things I'm physically attracted to, if I can be honest about the things I lust for, then it brings it out of the dark, mm -hmm. and and it's not something I battle alone, you know, because mm -hmm. that's a lust. Sometimes is something you battle alone because it's embarrassing. Because well, and you're kind of almost taught to just well keep it to yourself. It's your yeah. problem. Yeah, sex is a bad thing, you know. I guess we're kind of jumping ahead, and that's my fault. Yeah, I'm sorry. okay, I just, sorry. Well, I wanted to bring that up just because... Just, it's you know, starting to sound like The View true. up in here. <laughs> <laughs> just talk over me, quick. Uh, yeah, sorry. Uh, no. Uh, so, yeah, for, for me, the you know, we've talked about this and, and just the ridiculousness of it, yeah. which was, you know, I guess the first time I discovered sexuality or just, uh -huh. you know, physical attraction was unfortunately, you know, watching... Jessica Rabbit on, on bloody who frame Roger Rabbit, but okay, but that's that's un, well, Creeper. it's unhealthy, yeah. Well, when you're presented with no. such overt, true, you know, I had a problem curvature. I, it's ridiculous. Oh yeah. yeah, I had deal. I had to deal with Jessica Rabbit. Yeah, but yeah, we uh, we're gonna go past that and we're gonna go to just regular healthy <laughs> attractions. Well, I grew up watching Linda Carter as Wonder Woman, you uh -huh. know, and they all thought I was watching her because when she ran she bounced and I'm like no I think anyway it, that wasn't the reason but mm -hmm. but I grew up watching her so maybe there was some physical attraction there yeah there well, yeah could be. I don't know yeah. okay uh, for so for my first uh, human crush we'll, we'll label it a human crush <laughs> uh, I was in third grade okay and uh, I had just gone to this new school it was uh, a Catholic school mm -hmm. private school and um it was hmm, it was interesting because it was almost atypical in nature. Right. Okay. So I fell obviously for like the, the pretty girl in the class or the one that everybody found attractive. And Marla, Marla was her name, she uh, kind of fit a mold that wasn't particularly definitive of what you would expect a Puerto Rican girl to look like. Ah, uh, okay. So she had long straight hair. It was kind of blondish, dirty uh -huh. blondish. And we had grown up uh, watching American television mm -hmm. and Puerto Rican television too. But you know, all the American shows were there, so I don't. I'm. I say that just because you form what you believe to be attractive, I guess, based on the other things you see. So I just, it was, it was interesting to me that she. I found her just beautiful, pretty, whatever. And and not, and you know, that mold goes beyond that. But yeah, that was my first, the first time I, I found another human being like physically right. attractive. I said, wow, she's beautiful, you know? Well, you, you sparked two for me. Like Peggy Hill was a baton twirler. Mm -hmm. And like I always would sit down and watch her at football games. I, would, I didn't watch football games, but right. I was attracted to Peggy Hill. And then that my cousin Yvonne was, she's been gorgeous her whole life. But like I think she was the first cousin that like on my dad's side that I really... Like had a little school kid crush on, mm -hmm. you know. So yeah. Hmm. Well, yeah, that's. Uh, I'm trying to figure out age wise. When do you? When are you in third grade? What are, What age would you normally be? Uh, Is that eight? Probably. Yeah, somewhere yeah. around there. But I hit. I like. Well, I don't know. I can't 
biologically explain this away because you know you just can't. But I felt like I had puberty super early, whether that's dietary oh, yeah. reasons yeah. or whatever. So I, you know, I felt like I had the spark in me before then. Uh-huh. But that was, you know, that's the first time I could trace it back to, okay, I find a person physically attracted. Right. I could say I, <laughs> even before then, my sister had uh, two friends. They were twins, and I was in first grade. And I remember thinking they were pretty too, but, mm-hmm. you know, they were just pretty. I didn't. Right. It was it was an attraction thing, sure. It was an but, attraction, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we're going way back. This is almost uh, That's like psychotherapy here. That's what. Yeah, here we go. So, when did you become aware of the concept of lust, or was it taught to you? Uh, we just jumped right in there. <coughs> uh, well, is there anything else you wanted to bring up? Oh no no no! Uh, the, the concept of lust. Uh, it was funny. Like one of the first. Like, I was introduced to pornography when I was six years old mm-hmm. by my brother. And, like, the first, I, I remember one of the, like, photo shoots, or whatever you want to call it, uh, in the magazine. It was actually called Circus of Lust. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, I, I think that's the first time I heard the word, but that's the first time I felt, you know, the drive and desire to go back for more and mm-hmm. to find more magazines and to get other things and so like at the age of six I was understanding lust you know I was understanding how it felt and the craving mm-hmm. I don't think I understand the, understood the definition of it just yet hmm. yeah no when uh, you know I had gone to a couple of different private Catholic schools yeah and obviously one of the part of the curriculum is like religion class yeah so you know be that Jesus' life or how to live a Christian life etc but, you know, the commandments would always be brought up, the Ten Commandments, and, you know, lust is in there. Yeah. Or, um, to whatever degree or fashion you want to define that. But it was like, okay, well, that's one of them, but I didn't really understand it. So I knew it had to do with ladies or, you know, with women or the opposite sex, but right. that's as far as I knew. So <clears throat> in a way, I was it was good that I was uh, protected from... Uh, a lot of that because I had friends you've got friends you grow up and a lot of them have access to materials be that you know pornographic magazines be that videos or whatever but being in a home where it was a single parent or well my mom had different uh, romantic interests as she grew up obviously my brother's dad after uh, after the divorce yeah but there was no pornography in the home you know, usually when you come into contact with pornography, or as I've come to learn, it happens that you're growing up, you happen upon dad's closet, and dad keeps a couple of nudie mags or VHSs back in the day or whatever. Yeah. And all of a sudden it's like, oh crap, you know, you know, he hit the treasure trove or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, but, my dad kept a belt and a shotgun in his. <laughs> well, but, well, you know. Uh, so yeah, I know what you're talking about. Well, I was going to school and I was hearing things about, oh, we found this, oh, we yeah. found that. Now, they never had the uh, audacity to bring that to school. Yeah. But what's funny is that uh, I always read comic books. And um, I don't know if you ever have, but uh, the X-Men especially, a lot of it is uh, you know super heroics. But the costumes, especially depending on the artist, it's all very form-fitting. It's all very tight. Yeah. It's all... Uh, 
extreme uh, uh, physicality. Yeah. You know, humans taken to the nth degree. Yeah, yeah. Like impossible expectations. So one time I brought one of my books <laughs> to the Catholic school. This must have been fourth or fifth grade. Oh, gosh. And I was reading it in class, and uh, the teacher just happened to walk by. I was done with my test, so I was just reading. And, like, she tapped me on the shoulder, and she said, you need to go down to the office and take this with you. And she gave me my book. And I said, all right. So I take my book, and I go downstairs. And I always had, I always had the nuns, and everybody else had it out for me. But I go downstairs to the principal's office, and I said, hey, uh, I was sent down here because I brought this in. So... The guy, he takes the book and he just happens to flip through it. Uh-huh. And he's like, oh. Ah, I see. Okay. Well, he hands it back and he's like, uh, I'm looking at him like, what, what did I do? <laughs> you know, I didn't see anything right. in there. I was just reading the superheroics. I didn't see the fact that these were superheroes, females in mm-hmm. typhoon forms, you know. Bustiers, uh, enhanced, or whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. but they saw that and, and they said, "Well, you know, this is this is probably something you don't want to bring to school anymore." And it's a friggin' comic book, man. And it was I was made to feel like I brought drug contraband into the school, <laughs> uh... and that's when I kind of became aware of the fact that, oh, you know, besides just the musings of other kids saying, "Well, I found a magazine," or "I found this," it's like, okay, well, you found it, but I never saw that. Now I become aware of the fact that it's wrong that such a thing as lust or a uh, an unhealthy fascination with right. the human form or sex can exist. Yeah. But what that does is kind of pique your curiosity, especially True. as a kid. Yeah, getting taught sexuality by a nun, that mm-hmm. just sounds ridiculous <laughs> to me. Yeah. Well, no, you know, their, their practice was to just keep quiet about yeah, it. Yeah, that's Don't what I'm saying. Up. That's dirty. Don't look at it. But that was you know, like my childhood. <laughs> the, the idea of um, lusting, specifically, mm-hmm. because I, you know, my first uh, viewing of pornography probably didn't come for at least another three or four years after third grade. Yeah, and uh, which was, I guess, in a way, good, except that. When you're when you see it for the first time, especially later, when hormones are further along too. Oh yeah, it's it's a it's you know it's a deadly cocktail. Yeah. But yeah, that was kind of my journey to get to that point where it's like, okay, well, this is what lust is. All right, I get it. I understand it. Let's keep going. Yeah, <laughs> yeah let's keep going. Yeah. Well, and, and and mine, my experience was was also like added to with masturbation, you know, mm-hmm. and, and being taught how to do that. Um, and then sort of like, you know, you, you're taught sexuality outside the bounds of somebody telling you about sex and mm-hmm. telling you the right things. And so you kind of just allow like that unhealthy curiosity to, to lead you down whatever path, mm-hmm. you know. Um, yeah. I was fortunate enough that I never became physical with anybody. But it, it was a lot of learning as I go. Because right. although I knew how things worked, I knew biology, I didn't know it personally. Right. So I'm going to try to keep this as – it's a touchy subject. I'm going to try to keep it as PG as I can. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. I'm a third-grade brain. <laughs> no, it's all right. Like I remember 
the first time I noticed, and I don't know if you went through this. Yeah. But back in the day, if you had cable. Yeah. And I, and I would go over to my aunt's house a lot. Uh-huh. We didn't have cable personally at the at our house, at my mom's house. Or, okay. You know, where I grew up. But I would go over to my aunt's house quite often, and they had cable. And as I'm passing the channels one day, because, you know, you stay up late, I noticed that one of the channels switches over at 10, or it was 11, or yeah, late yeah. night. And uh, because of the way cable worked back in the day, it scrambles the signal. Yep. It's like, oh, you know, this channel doesn't work. And then I happened to pass through it one day when the... Uh, the image was visible enough that you knew what was going on in the background. Right. Scrambled in gray, white, and black. Mm-hmm. And I said, holy crap! <laughs> what is going on here? <laughs> you looked around to see if the nuns were watching you. <laughs> <laughs> She's staring across the corner. <laughs> Bad boy, Lewis. Lewis. But... I, I left the channel on and I'm trying to figure out the image and it was awful, you know, just to sit there oh, yeah. and try to unscramble what you're viewing in your mind. And that was kind of the first time. No, it wasn't the first time but I, that, that I came across pornography, but it was one of the first times. Right. And it's almost a, a point of self-discovery and it's like, oh, what's it's going on? It's your own private little world and so many things open up and it's like you've got a secret now. And uh, I, I mean, I'm not saying any of it's good, but like... For me, like that first exposure to pornography, mm-hmm. I also started experimentation with other kids my age, and, right. and you know, just you know, and it was something that I struggled with for the next like thirty-five years. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, um, I still can remember some of the images I saw and some of the places that I hid the magazines, and uh, and <clears throat> but I think that was the thing, you know, when my when my brother was first caught with porn. Mm-hmm. The, my dad made him go apologize to the pastor. Just pull it up just a tiny okay. bit. You're there, we go. there we go. My, my dad made him go apologize to the pastor and mm-hmm. confess it to the pastor. that he. And so right there, like, I already knew my parents' view of sex and sexuality was it's bad mm-hmm. in general, you know? Right, um, you're, you're taught to not just run away from it, but ignore it entirely because, God forbid, you find out about it. Oh, yeah? If, instead of actually just talking to you and explaining it to you. Yeah. Well, you know, just to keep with the t- with that particular point in time, I uh, experienced, <laughs> you know, physical changes or physical processes, we'll right. call it that, that I did not understand because we hadn't gone that far along in human biology. Right, right. And it, I was scared poopless. I don't yep. say the other word, but scared poopless <laughs> because I didn't understand what was going on. Yeah. And and it was and it was unnecessarily frightening as I look back on it. Right. Because if you would have explained to me what exactly was going on, well, sure, maybe my curiosity would have been piqued anyway. But at least I wouldn't have gone through the trauma yeah. of trying to hide everything and just like I don't want to go through this and I'm gonna lock yeah. myself in the bathroom until it's all done. You know, and it was it was an awful experience. But not having knowledge just makes it worse. I think to me. Oh, I agree. Because you know, it's like not being prepared for a hurricane, Mm -hmm. or you know, a storm, or or something like that. But yeah. But then you decide you can go through it alone, and well, because you go through it alone, Mm -hmm. so you basically build that tolerance and that survival mode, and yeah, you know. So just for the sake of uh, understanding what we're talking about. Yes. What is lust? 
Like, well, let's define it. Personally, I'm glad you ask. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to. I want to read like like uh, the uh, Oswald Chambers has a great definition of lust uh, in the physical and spiritual realm. Mm-hmm. But he basically says. Um, he was talking about de- dejection, and it stems from one of two sources. I have either satisfied a lust, or I have not satisfied it. Uh, in either case, dejection is the result. Lust means I must have it at once. Spiritual lust causes me to demand an answer from God instead of seeking God himself who gives the answer. And so that's, yeah, lust to me, love is like, I'm loving a person, right. and lust means that person is going to help satisfy me sexually. I'm looking to that person to help satisfy me rather than me be in a relationship with them and I satisfy them, and, and it's a mutual satisfaction. Right. But lust just means that my needs need to get met, and they're more important than yours. And I have to have it right now. I have to have it when I want it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, a, it's like a gnawing at your spirit. Until you satisfy it, it it's just... Right, yeah, knocking yeah, it's at knocking you. at your door. Yeah, right? yeah. Until no, you satisfy or surrender it mm-hmm. in that moment, you know. No, and I can agree. That's that's probably a really perfect way of defining right. it. Right. But when I was trying to come up with an answer for for yeah. lust specifically, I'm looking for what's the difference between lust and and any other kind of feeling, and <clears throat> the. The, the the main word I came to was dejection, which is you are um, the the interest is purely physical, and it doesn't go beyond to personality. It doesn't go through any other. Um, it doesn't give value to any other uh, feeling or emotion. Right. So essentially, you um, objectify. It's primal, right? Yeah, and then, it, but it's it's devoid of any sort of good feeling, you know, right? Or not 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 really so much good feeling, but you don't give value, I guess. Is other the va- than the value is strictly for yourself. Yeah, like I hate I hate this thing that people do. What do they do? Which is rate other human beings. They do what? Rate. Rate? Okay. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I wasn't yeah. thinking you said rape. I just, uh, like, explain what you mean by rape. Or rate. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the rating thing is that, and guys are the most, you know, uh, guilty of this is that, oh, she's a, a dime, a perfect ten. And, oh, that's about a seven and a half. Oh, she's no more than a five. You you hang around people that actually do this? No, I don't, but you right. hear it, you know, and, and, and luckily I've... <laughs> Uh, remove myself far enough, especially because, you know, I'm not in high school, I'm not in college anymore, that you don't hear these things often. Right. But it still yeah. happens, it still occurs, and you see it on TV, yeah. or you see it on anything else. I used to work with a guy at SeaWorld that would watch through <coughs> the back part of the ship and right. see if there were any good-looking women. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he had a name for it uh-huh. in the interest of just, you know... Not being crass, I'm not going to tell you what he called it, but he had a term for when he would go out and watch for women in the crowd, and I was just like, you're married, and you're a dad, mm-hmm. and you're ridiculous right now, you know, and it, it was like, in in the back of my head, you know, having not grown up as a quote-unquote straight heterosexual guy, I'm like, is that what they do? Is that what I'm supposed to be doing? Should I be 
you know, doing, should I be out there watching? And I'm mm-hmm. like, no, I don't think I should. I shouldn't do it for guys. I definitely shouldn't do it for women. But yeah, it's, it's, it's devaluing. And I, and I'm not one of those big, I'm not into, you know, feminism mm-hmm. and I'm not into all that. I'm into, you know, God's design for marriage, but I, I don't think you, you know, I don't think you have, you can devalue somebody based on what they look like on the outside. Mm-hmm. And I will say this, what God shared with me the other day, cause I was kind of down on myself cause I'm, you know, a short average looking old white guy, you know, but, but with that, mm-hmm. God was like, that's how you view yourself and you give more value to people that are taller, more good looking, whatever. And God says, all you guys have the same size soul. Mm-hmm. All that's different is the package and that package you allow that to build your confidence or lower your confidence. And I don't see that. What I see is that you all have the same size soul. You're all given the same opportunities, you know, to love me, to serve me. Mm-hmm. And so get over yourself. You may be in a short body, but your soul is just as big as that guy over there. Right. Or, you know, so. No, and and I'm sorry to even ask, but, I mean, does that occur in, you know, I've got, I've got, gay and lesbian friends and I yeah. but I guess I never dared ask them this before but is that effect where you grade people occurring in that oh, side yeah. of the Oh yeah like they, and they you know like the, the gay at least for gay men I haven't hung out with a lot of gay women but the gay men are you know I remember going to the clubs and you'd, you would want to look your best mm-hmm. and you'd get a good haircut and, and if you got enough looks that night you felt good about yourself if you didn't go home with somebody or if you didn't get enough you know people staring your direction you kind of felt rejected mm-hmm. you know but i i think they're you know they they call it there's and i'm not <laughs> they call it reading one another so if you mm-hmm. read somebody you can say anything you want to about them um and you just it, it's like a game kind of so they will read one another they'll make fun of each other's physical attributes or mm-hmm. or something they have struggle with but it's kind of that it's kind of tongue-in-cheek but it's also kind of biting sarcasm right you know? it's mean-spirited so, yeah it's mean-spirited but they're all like oh no it's just in the in the name of fun but there yeah there is a rating system okay. you know otherwise and I, okay for instance mm-hmm. i have a friend that he's he's walking away from homosexuality just like me but you'll see all the people he friends on facebook and mm-hmm. they're just attractive people and when I challenged him on that, he's like, no, no, they're, they're just good people. And I was like, so why aren't you friending all these moderately attractive, ugly people? Mm-hmm. And and the other thing, like when he's attracted, to, when he's dating somebody or attracted to somebody, their looks are important. And I said, well, if, if it's just about connection and emotion to you, why aren't you dating ugly people? Why aren't you dating people that aren't attractive? And he's like, well, and I was like, so there's a small amount, if not a large amount of physical attraction that goes into it or lust that goes into it right. you know because if it was just all about connection we just flip off the lights and everybody could pair up mm-hmm. but it's no matter who it is you know unless i think probably 75 percent of people have to have that physical attraction and, and look for a physical attraction right. to draw somebody in so yeah which the, is an attraction is a funny thing because i remember gene and i talked about this one time and and I don't know what the uh, the course of the conversation led us to that point, but I remember telling her, well, my views on attraction are uh, kind of the way I call it the law of universality. Okay. Now, if you know how your olfactory senses work, 
That's the smell your, your, for the your for those of, of us who are not biologists. <laughs> your 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 ability to pick up on different scents is based on how that particular scent molecule yes falls into your your receptor. So that's why you have similar uh, smells. Like uh, you know, this is a common one, which is the way um, antifreeze kind of when warm slightly smells like syrup. Yeah, pancake syrup. Yeah. The, according to my law, you know, mm-hmm. quote unquote of universality, every person would then fit to that certain mold. Whether everybody finds them attractive, eh, you know, you're either more universal on the scale or less. But there's a definitive place for everybody. Mm-hmm. So there's no beautiful, ugly, you know, there's no 10 or a 1. Right. It's just a matter of where you fall on that scale. Right. And I was using those terms like I, I've done my best after growing up rating everybody. And after growing up seeing, you know, my grandmother one time saw this bigger lady at Safeway and said, man, that looks like two rhinos fighting under a flower sack. You know, and then my grandmother fell and hurt herself and she goes that's what i get um but okay so that's the stuff i grew up with uh-huh. you know and i grew up with a whole town of white people and maybe two african-american people that moved into our town so there's a lot of history steeped in me mm-hmm. that is unacceptance you know like bigotry whatever but uh, you know growing up in the gay community it's like you have to get over that you know and you have to you learn what's right what's wrong but like I've, i do my best now to see the god Mm-hmm. The, or the, the person God created rather than the casing that they're enclosed in, you right. know? Um, and, and the one thing that I want to just touch on real quick is, like, the way that God designed men and women. Men are sexual visual. Mm-hmm. Women are emotional feely, you know, for the most part. Right. You know, there'll be that one person out there that says, I'm a woman and I'm not that way, you know. Well, it's not a universal so, law. But yeah, yeah, but it's it's more often than not it's predominant way things are. So... Mm-hmm. When you've got two guys together, you've got double sexual visual. When you've got two women together, you've got double emotional feeling. Mm-hmm. And so when you have a man and a woman, you have balance. And so more often than not, and, and I looked at my own life, did my own research, and you know, I went out with a girl one night and sweated and stewed to try to figure out how to entertain her, mm-hmm. how, what to do, took her to dinner, took her to ice cream, took her to a playground, did all this stuff that was on my list. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the night, she's like, do I get a good night kiss? And I'm like, that wasn't on my list, <laughs> you know? <laughs> then the next night, mm-hmm. I went out with a guy, and we went straight to my room mm-hmm. because I I knew what he was about. I knew the relationship with him was easy, you know? And I have one friend, I call him a lazy heterosexual because he dates guys, but he's attracted to women because guys are easier to date because you're a guy and you understand mm-hmm. them. But, you know, and and I had a 20-year-old kid like a millennial talked to me the other day about this and he said, you know, girls are just kind of hard to deal with and they're kind (laughs) of hard to understand. And I'm like, yeah, they are, but they're other, you know, and, and he basically said he kind of dates guys because it's easier and they're easier to understand. Doesn't make it right. Right. You know, it's well, it's just a simple, uh, like a simple biology game at that point or just, right. Because, well, of course, you know, if you could have easy access to certain things, you're all going to have the same libido 
Yeah. I'm sure why the hell not, you know? You, right, you and that's yourself from that. the reason I brought this up is because lust came in when you've got two people, me mm-hmm. and this other guy, that kind of have been on the verge of lust, and then we both come in and it's almost like we agree, and so lust mm-hmm. kind of led us to do sexual things, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't have to, but the cravings were there. Right, yeah, yeah. You know? You're given to... Yeah, you give in to that particular feeling, which in this well, case is lust. And but, even, yeah. you know, unmet lust. Like I always call masturbation like practice for the real game, mm-hmm. you know, because you're you're building a fantasy life in your head. And for me, I built fantasy life from 6 to 18 when I first had, uh, you know, sex with a guy at college. And, like, we went out drinking, which also lowered my inhibitions. Mm-hmm. And, and it just, I hear all these people nowadays say, I, I would have never done that. And I never even thought for a second that sex was wrong. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I, th- I thought it was morally wrong, right. but I just went ahead and did it. I, I, there wasn't my thought process that said it's wrong enough not to do, but I'd also had all this fantasy life, and so lust just kicked me in the butt, and, and I was, you know, in his arms before I knew it. Yeah, it's the, the I forget who said it, but the concept of the two wolves, you know, which one are you feeding? Mm-hmm. What you know is right or what you know is wrong. Yeah. One, one's going to win over the other. Uh, what are qualities that you find attractive, physical or other? Uh, well, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to be, I'm not trying to be rude, but I like boobs, mm-hmm. you know. I, I like women with, you know, a nice, um, I don't know, I'm not going to go any further, but that attracts me, you know. And I, I find I find that attractive. Uh, I also find like, but but the other thing is I like athletic women as well. And if, yeah, so, like, I, I had this girl once, like, this is the first time that I was ever super attracted, that my statement just makes it sound so shallow, but anyway, I don't care, um, there was one girl I was super attracted to, and she was a bit pear-shaped, she wasn't fat, she was pear-shaped, mm-hmm. but her personality shone through, and it was the first time after walking away from homosexuality for a couple of years that my attractions to females started to be uncovered because I finally figured out I I started to heal my brokenness Mm -hmm. and homosexuality was a result of that brokenness and homosexuality kind of began to wane away and heterosexuality the feelings this girl popped into my life and you know I found myself like a little school kid Mm -hmm. you know and like she had short brown hair she was pear shaped uh, and then I expressed interest in wanting to date her. Mm-hmm. Well, the next time she showed up down here, uh, she used to live in Virginia, but the next time she showed up down here, she showed up at my house. She'd been working out. She'd mm-hmm. grown her hair long. She kind of uh, colored it a little blonde, and she had this uh, tiny little black dress, and she goes, I hope you don't mind. This is all I had. And and I was like the wolf eyes in the cartoon. <laughs> and I was Tech like, flavor, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I was like, Oh my gosh, this is what it it's like to find a woman attractive. There was not lust at that moment. There was just this and, and the confidence I felt with her on my arm that night. Mm-hmm. Like I and I felt good about myself because I fell in love with her when she looked plain. Right. And now that she looked she had upgraded, you know. She didn't look better. She just looked different and that was more attractive to me. It's a um, with cream and a chair on top. Yeah, it was and it was and the way people responded to me that night, mm-hmm. just with this girl on my arm, like that part is something like, it's like a guy driving up in a Ferrari. Mm-hmm. You know, all the other guys are drawn to it. Um, but 
Yeah, I think for me, great smile. I'm, I have a big thing about teeth. So, you know, no English people apply. Um, but I have a big thing about teeth. Mm-hmm. I like blonde hair, uh, ice blue eyes or blue eyes, mm-hmm. and I'm done. Like, it's just, you know. And then as far as, like, my attractions to men, they, they've, they've diminished over the years. But what I think when I when I see a guy that's attractive, what I do is I try to go up or I try to introduce myself. I try to get in his life so I can dispel the mystery behind my attraction. Because mm-hmm. it's not, more often than not, my attractions to a guy are because he has things I don't. He has confidence. Yeah. He has... He has confidence. He has he has a full head of hair, not a mm-hmm. not a receding uh, uh, widow's peak. And um, but you know there are aspects of other guys that I find attractive, but it's not a sexual attraction. It is a I'm I'm 45. I'm not 20 anymore. You know, and and I'm attracted to the youth. I'm attracted to athleticism. I'm attracted to guys that are uh, uh, ex. What's the introvert, extrovert, extrovert, you know, and they give me new life. They, they breathe life back into my life because I'm 45, but I don't feel 45. I feel like I'm 25. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I I didn't feel it was fair to talk about attractions and not talk about the attractions to men because they are there. Um, They're just not sexual in nature. They're comparative comparative in nature right you know the enemy uses that as, as well well which is you know it's a fair statement because that you know i'm gonna sure i'm gonna touch on females in a moment but like i don't find this guy particularly attractive right but he's super talented he's one of my favorite actors he's exceptionally good and every yeah. time i see him it's like man this guy really just every time i see him in a role he's always really great all the girls like him don rickles uh <laughs> 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 No, even I think even my wife has un- unadmitted or yeah. uh, unvocally admitted that she finds him attractive is uh, Michael Fassbender. Oh yeah, he's odd. He's, yeah, he's an odd. Yeah, I look at that dude and I'm like, man, I, you know, if I could look yeah. like that, then that'd be great. Because you know, he doesn't have. I feel like I've got you know these full cheekbones, and I look yeah. at him and it's like, okay, trim down. And he's not that. He's like my height, so it's not like he's a super tall dude. But yeah, it's it's almost like I'm. Uh, Drawn to, well, I want to be that talented. I want to be yes. that good looking, and I want to be able to do these. That things, you've you've you know? just uncovered, like, uh, like the hidden gems of uh, or the hidden aspects of homosexuality. Like you don't struggle with your sexuality, but I do. But when I feel the same way you do, mm-hmm. then I almost get like questioned about it, or the enemy comes in and says, "Well, if you feel this way, then that means you're still gay." But we're feeling the same thing. Right. We just have a different history. Mm-hmm. So thank you for that. Yeah, no, no, that's fine. I just, I, I wanted to, I guess, sharing that with you. You know, right? With uh, with women, I always had a. Um, I think it was kind of a mold that was drilled into me because of watching TV or watching mm-hmm. movies, and you know, you, you, my my sister would always say we had a, and I would always get upset at her too, especially at first. We used to watch Power Rangers, okay, my brother and I, and she would watch Saved by the Bell, which was on around the same time. Yeah, my sister's older, so if she came around, she had command of the TV. And sometimes I'd be watching Power Rangers, like okay, gotta switch it over, uh-huh. and she'd put it on, so. What I'm watching, even in Puerto Rico, is the American ideal. So she would... I always like blondes. And I always like 
bad girls, too, but we'll get into that later. But she would always say, oh, you just like uh, Jesse from Saved by the Bell. She's blonde, Who? she's tall. Jesse was the tall one with the blonde. Oh, showgirls. Yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, I was always a Kelly guy or even a Lisa guy. But yeah, that those were the ideals that were like drilled into me. And then you realize, well, that's not reality. Yeah. And as the years have gone by, I've when it comes especially to physical attraction, you know, physical attraction can be anything. You know, you, sure, there's things that you like, and you know, it could be a curvature, or it can be, you know, the color of an eye, or attitude, the way the hair falls, how somebody attitude, treats you, how somebody treats you, how people treat others. Yeah, it goes beyond just the physical, and anybody can at this point. And Gina, if you're listening, that doesn't mean I'm going around attracting <laughs> other people. <laughs> But Lewis has always got to verbally check in with Gina here. Just, you know, just So she doesn't slap him again. <laughs> yeah, I don't want her to be listening to this. Come over at 6.30 in the morning and slap me before I wake up. But, yeah, anybody can be attractive to me now. Any woman can be attractive because right. I don't fit a mold anymore. You just, you find what is attractive as a quality beyond just, you know, a total package of physicality. You can look at the emotional quality, the attitude quality, the personality quality. Right. You know? And I think, like my friend Bill says at his age, which is like around 60-something, mm-hmm. he's like, I can get away with a lot of stuff, saying stuff, because I'm older, <clears throat> people don't expect me to say it, and he said I've done a lot of living. And like for me, the reason I say that is at 45, I have very different attractions to people and motivations behind those attractions than I did when I was like 20. Mm-hmm. You know, my attractions to people now are, are you going to cuss me out? Or are you going to hug me? <laughs> you know, like, like people that I want near me. Like, I don't want people around me who are skeezy and planning to be around me because they're getting something for themselves. I want people around me who are going to be open and honest. Mm-hmm. I want people that tell me, hey, you got a booger in your nose. <laughs> you know, like my attractions to people are real mm-hmm. people. I, I don't have any use for social climbers. And I, I mean, not that I can get anybody anywhere. Right. But like, I don't, the brown nosing people, I can smell a mile away. Mm-hmm. And I, the people that come in and are trying to get something from you, like, I just, I have a sixth sense about that. I can see them. There's a, there's a switch that goes off there. Yeah. It's like, it's okay, like a, it. a radar that goes off. Like, I can see those people coming. And, and at the end of the day, there's, there's no reason to be like that. Mm-hmm. Like, I have, a lot of friends and my attraction to most of them are you know that that they're good people they're honest people they can handle my honesty i can handle theirs most mm-hmm. of the time you know um yeah I, there's no surprises mm-hmm. you know no no bad surprises i like good surprises mm-hmm. but there's no bad surprises with the people i know and and as you get closer to god there's also more freedom and grace towards these people if they do make a mistake and you get the same in return mm-hmm. but anyway we're into a forgiveness text now. yeah no that's fine <laughs> i was gonna bring something else up but i'll just yeah, yeah go because no what well, is i don't it? want to go ex- extra long but oh, okay i yeah we're... i was just gonna say because i mentioned the bad girls thing yes i i actually want to know about this <laughs> all right if if i wanted to try to get into the psychology of it yes i can't tell you exactly where particularly stems from but well maybe it didn't work so much in real life like translating it from you know entertainment to real life but 
when the bad girls would come around. Jessica I, Rabbit was a bad girl. Uh, she was, but... She's not bad. She's okay, just no, drawn that, that way. That was yeah. the wrong term to use. I'm sorry. It's not so much bad girls. Okay. It's the wrong people for you. How about that? The wrong girl for you. Why, why is she wrong? Real quick. Why is she wrong because for you? Because... She'll take you places you don't need to go? Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, I get it. Yeah, and I don't know why I was attracted to that. Like, there was one particular person in, in, in uh, that I can think of, and I brought her up before, but this was like the last big crush or uh, kind of relationship that I fostered. Mm-hmm. It never got romantic, but and I'm glad it didn't for, for kind of specific reasons or obvious reasons, but uh, she was not the right fit for me. She wasn't, but I liked it. I liked that fact. You know, this was a person that I almost stayed over to... Uh, sleep the night with this okay. particular time and I just said you know okay I gotta wake up early in the morning so I can't and you know nothing came of that but there was something almost exhilarating about that and almost a wanting to I don't know I, it, it's, it's almost like one of those things that everybody always uh, connects to women like women want to fix a guy yeah I'm not looking to fix a girl, but, yeah. you know, or I, a I, woman, yeah. rather. But. No, I have a friend that, that he said he likes the challenge, and I'm like, well, that challenge, I don't like a challenge like that. It's not a healthy know? challenge at that no, point. No, I don't think so. Yeah. All right. Well, do the traits you find attractive become lust, or is that always unavoidable, meaning you'll always end up doing so? Ooh, say that again. Or explain it a little better. I don't. How does how does attraction become lust? If you had to have like an equation for it, attraction becomes lust when you don't exercise self control and mm-hmm. when you don't consider the other person's feelings. You know, I I've got a friend that like his wife just kind of left, and you know that that's his sexual outlet and she is his if she wanted it to be but she just kind of left and he's trying to remain true to her Mm -hmm. and so you know lust would mean he gets his needs met no matter what but he's being faithful to her in this time so it's like he's loving her lusting would mean you gotta you know i'm gonna get sex i need it and or whatever but i think for me it's like attractions and not having self-control over those, mm-hmm. knowing that there's only one way to fulfill that. If you're Christian, you know, if, if we're Christian, so right. there's only one way to f- to bring those attractions to, you know, to bear and, and allow love to bloom, and that's when you marry this person. Mm-hmm. But lust says, I have to have it right now, you know, or, or if I'm attracted to a woman, her characteristics, and then mm-hmm. I find that in porn, you know, or if I find, you know... At least that's my. You thought. try to bring it to life, okay? Yeah, no, you that's interesting. To, you, well, you try to, to get your visual life, you try to get your sexual need met, but you don't. <clears throat> since nobody views people nowadays, don't view porn stars as humans. Mm-hmm. They're objects, and they've put themselves out there to do that. You know, so it's okay if we look at them that way. And I'm not saying that from my perspective, but that's the mentality that's there. So mm-hmm. it's not like I'm cheating on my wife, or it's not like I'm cheating on my husband looking at porn. It's something completely different. I'm fulfilling a physical need. Yeah, you dissociate yourself. If they won't, they can't meet my need right now, and sex before marriage is not something I can do. But then there's this lesser sin 
that will help meet my need and I won't go out and sleep with a person. And you rationalize. Right. I think. I've seen it on both sides, you know. No, but, that's fair. Yeah. I, 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 when that's I was, my thought. When I was looking at this question, I was reminded of uh, Megan Valentine and she would always preach to the kids and in, in essence kind of preach to us. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She was always preaching to us too. Uh, <laughs> about sin and the pathway to sin. And, you know, when you... Uh, Help me out here, because you probably know it better than I do. Yes. It starts out with uh, your attitudes. It goes to your words. It goes into practice, or it goes into your thoughts, yeah. and then it goes into practice. Yeah. So, in essence, when you're the difference between attraction and lust is when you, um, I guess you you uh, you give. Oh, I'm I'm looking for a dang word here, but I can't find it. You realize there's an attraction, but then you fantasize about it. Yeah, I think that's where I would def- where where I would put the the, the change. Yeah, yeah. yeah, is you allow yourself to fantasize about. It. Uh, yeah. Next question is is lust addictive, and if so, how? <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. For anybody listening, you know that it is. Stop it. <laughs> no, I loved. Uh, when when we were serving at the youth group, uh, I, I worked with the middle school. You worked with high school. Yeah. But uh, we were at one of the retreats, and uh, Ben and I were uh, supervising a room for the retreat. And the boys were talking about, you know, masturbation, pornography, mm-hmm. etc. And uh, and I remember Ben just chiming in as he's getting ready to jump on on the uh, top bunk of the bed. He says, just don't do it. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, that's it. As in essence to say, you don't want to fall into that, just don't do it. Yeah. You'll shoot your eye out, kid, or something along those lines. Yeah. It's just a very stern, but yeah, you know, it's a a very obvious warning. Just don't fall into the the addictive properties of lust. Because I think it, it, yeah, sure, it is addictive. You know, there's there's obviously... uh, rushes that come through that whether that they're chemical in nature or they're just fulfillment of fantasy so yeah obviously yeah lust lust is definitely well and the the last half of your question you said i said yes it's addictive what was the last half of the last question then how do you avoid it or well is it addictive and if so how um well, okay, so I have a book back here, mm-hmm. like we're sitting in my library. But right. I have a book back here, and it it's a secular book. Mm-hmm. So I love how it describes all of this stuff. But um, ejaculation, you know, we're going to use that term because that's the end of masturbation. But ejaculation registers in... It's a in, clinical term anyway, yeah, so yeah, get over it. It registers in your brain mm-hmm. like a shot of heroin. Right. So it's, it hits the pleasure center. Mm-hmm. You know, and we're talking about that. I, I want to post at some point, like podcast links to our what our church is going through right now mm-hmm. and our church is going through habits and when your body finds something that it craves it's going to keep going after that it's going to keep wanting more that's why we love that's why my body was loving sugar you know that's why our body loves the chemical when ejaculation happens mm-hmm. it wants more of that because it hits the pleasure centers you know right so that's how it's addictive you know at, at least in my opinion that's how i found it to be addictive and that's how um they kind of explain it to be addictive because it's severe pleasure well, and your a, brain's like, yes. Yeah, as a, as a very um, physically involved 
biochemical process, then yeah, of course, you know, that's how you build that pathway. Right. Um, is lust at all an okay thing? Hmm. Or is it, hmm. I guess, is it normal? I'd say it's normal because mm -hmm. we live in a world, we live in a fallen world. So mm -hmm. hunger, you know, is normal. Cravings, desire is normal. Mm -hmm. I don't know that it's acceptable. I don't think it's acceptable. Lust in any format, you know, um, no. Just because we define it as a sin, obviously we'll say it's wrong. But yeah. I remember um, Gina was watching a uh, an online series. What is it? What is it? It was well. It was uh, when when Perry Noble was still at uh, the church up in South Carolina, mm -hmm. and they did a series where they were having uh, the church itself ask questions. Like they would email questions, yep. and, and we're going to yeah, answer yeah. all these. Oh, that was really loud. Sorry. And uh, one guy sent in a question. Well, is it okay if I masturbate thinking of my wife? And he. Ooh, and that's he, a tough one. Yeah. And he just said no. <laughs> you know. Yeah. That was his answer. But in that, you know, it's. You're looking for righteous lust. You're looking for a reason to make it okay, I guess, at that point. Well, there, but there's so many questions going on. Is his wife, is his wife denying him sex? Right. Is his wife in a coma? You know, like, here, here are my thoughts, and I, I've read this in the Bible, um, but I don't remember the exact verse, so I'm not going to quote it with any amount of, like, conviction. But it talks about in the Bible that we have duties as a man and a wife right. towards one another. Mm -hmm. And so if this guy can't if this guy can't exercise enough self-control mm -hmm. to have sex with his wife or his wife doesn't the, there may be an issue there right but if I, here's what i think if his wife is okay with that but but here's what happens like at least in my mind pornography is that place where you're the king of the castle you right. say who when where all that so when you're having when you're having sex by yourself or masturbation mm -hmm. it's all about you his wife is not going to go to the mall and say, yes, go ahead and do it. It doesn't benefit her. She's not going to be like, oh, yeah, that's amazing. Right. The only way it may benefit her is if he leaves her alone, mm -hmm. which is a whole other issue. But sex and sexuality, sex is something that God gave. It's a spiritual superglue that draws us together with another human being. And that, for me, with my – I don't have an extensive sex life history, mm -hmm. but I had intercourse or, or – sexuality you know expressed with people for 30 31 people mm -hmm. um two were female and the rest were male because i i wrestled with it in the beginning right. um and i ran you know i ran back to a woman as soon as i'd had sex with a man because i'm like oh gosh i can't do this mm -hmm. and then at some point lust and and what people were telling me just took over and i went full on homosexual you know but i i think at that point it's it's not necessarily a yes or a no, but why are you doing it? Mm -hmm. You know, because more often than not, masturbation just pleases one person. Right. And, it, and it's not benefiting anybody mm -hmm. else. Right. No, yeah. It's, why, why are you, you know, why are you going to settle for anything else other than your own castle, I guess, in, in essence? But, you know, to put it crudely anyway. Yeah. Um, last question real quick, because we are going along again oh, okay yeah we <laughs> is, don't want to uh, do that what will you tell someone who is struggling with feeling lost to quote ben mcguire oh i said his last name sorry ben <laughs> don't do it don't do it yeah. uh can you bleep that part out uh i can i don't know how extensive my podcasting uh, editing abilities are but i can don't try. do it um well I, you know what like 
if, if you're struggling with it, admit that you're struggling with it. And if you don't want to admit it or if you don't want help for it, that's one thing. But if you want help for it, it's helpful to invite somebody into that, that struggle in your brain. It's helpful to have accountability for mm -hmm. it. It's helpful to change your routine. I know for me, you know, I, I went in and out of the closet like four times in my gay life and I would burn all my pornography at, mm -hmm. at one point and then it would, I would find more. And then when I would say, Oh, it's wrong. I'd burn it again. And, and I think each time that I took a stand against it mm -hmm. and then went back into it, it didn't mean that I wasn't successful. Mm -hmm. It just meant I was successful for a moment. So, be successful for a moment because you never know when it's going to take because the fifth time for me that I walked out of homosexuality and let's just say that I walked away from rampant sexuality, mm -hmm. I moved from Gulfport, Mississippi to Tulsa, Oklahoma, 750 miles away from all the friends. You know, the Bible says, you know, uh, uh, good company or bad company corrupts good moral character. Mm -hmm. And so I moved to a place where people would support my new growth. And I moved away from people who were either calling me, you know, saying I was going to burn in hell or the people that saying, oh, you should be gay no matter what. Mm -hmm. uh, and I moved to a place where it was God's opinion and God's opinion only. Because here's the thing. If we are Christians and we're seeking counsel from secular people, mm -hmm. we're getting wrong information because secular people cannot teach us how to live according to God's word because they don't have that knowledge. They can teach us how to be humanistic. They can teach us how to be morally good. Um, they can teach us physicality mm -hmm. and things of that nature. But in order for us to grow spiritually, um, and if the closer you get to God, mm -hmm. the less the things of the world are going to have a hold on you. Right. So. No, yeah, that's, that's good. And I would also add on to that... Um, <laughs> I don't want to be defeatist about this, but I'll, I'll go ahead and say it. You're not gonna, you're not gonna make it if you're, if you're trying, if you're wrestling with lust, if you're struggling with lust, and you're trying to defeat it or get away from it on your own. You're not gonna make it. Right. Is it's one of those things that, you know, talking to other guys, I came to the full realization that we just we don't defeat it on our own. You don't. It, it's you, it's addictive. It's it, it, sexuality is a gift that God gave us, but the enemy comes in and taints it. Mm -hmm. And it's not like getting rid of sexuality. Mm -hmm. You just have to clean it up and be pure with it. Yeah. And that's not easy. I no, no, not at all. Go ahead. Well, it's hard enough to even admit admit to it, you know, or to go up to another individual and say, hey, <laughs> I'm struggling with this. And not even with just lust, but anything. You know, it's such a I can do it, pull yourself by your own bootstraps kind of mentality that then you just get stuck in a hole on right. your own. On well, your own. And, and it's it's almost not, like you're almost forced to deal with it on your own because like you've been shamed or mm -hmm. you – I mean there's so many reasons. But if we – you know, I run – I do a group on, mon, on uh, Monday nights at First Baptist and people are free to talk about their issues. People mm -hmm. are free to come in without judgment no matter whether they're dripping with it, you know, with, with – with, uh, lust and sexuality and having just done something mm -hmm. or whether they've been walking out of it for a number of years. And if you can't talk about this in the environment of, of church and, and talk about it in the, in the realm of God and, and God derived sexuality, mm -hmm. you're a goner, you know, you'll, you'll never make it on your own. You might white knuckle it for a while, but it's like, it's like feeding a tiger just a little bit each day. Mm -hmm. And then one day the tiger strikes out at you because he's so hungry mm -hmm. and you let that the desire and the hunger is built up for so long 
And I think for me, mm-hmm. that's why I fell into homosexuality because I was looking for love. I was looking for acceptance. I was looking for all these things and I couldn't find them. And then I met one guy that showed me a little bit of attention and I was already kind of wondering about my sexuality and I was just ripe for the picking, you mm-hmm. know? That's an Oklahoma saying. <laughs> ripe for the picking. Well, as always, we hope we made you think. Uh, if you would like to reach us, uh, you can reach me at uh, four the number four C S Lewis L U I S at gmail.com. Uh, we're on Facebook, Facebook.com slash uh Pod. <laughs> I almost said it. It's only been thirteen uh, episodes and we still can't remember the name. Uh, I'm uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm functioning on, on about uh, uh, maybe four hours of sleep, five hours right. of sleep. And I got another podcast to do as soon as I know. Done, but yeah. uh, okay, and you can reach me at bigfishministry at gmail.com or you can look at my blog www.mattywalk.com and if you're mean, uh, just go somewhere else and look <laughs> for information. Yeah, uh, save your comments too. So, <laughs> well, from uh, Luis Cavedo and Matthew Walker, this is Wolf Sheet.